from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. And I can't wait It's the week of Friday, August 13th, 2010, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hello, hello. Uh, to her immediate left, and a kind of diagonal for me, mm-hmm. Ryan Ham. Hey, everyone. And then to his immediate left, and kitty corner to me, is uh, Josh Loveless. Hey, people. And it, it's not K-I-T-T-Y, it's... Kid, ki- it's Caddy. No, it's not Caddy Corner. It's Kitty Corner. <laughs> I think it's Kitty. I think it's Kitty Corner. No, yeah. that make it too cutesy. No, it's not Kitty. It's I think it's Kitty. No, it's Kitty. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's K I T T Y. Kitty Corner. Yeah, I mean it, either way, it has something. Chad, I think that's a store in the mall, the Kitty Corner. <laughs> Chad, can you look this <laughs> they up? Sell children's. No, anyways. that's where I got my I'm ears pierced it. when I was twelve. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, none other than Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And our illustrious producer, who is now looking up whether it's Kitty Corner or Caddy Corner, Chad Michael Snape. Kitty Corner, K-I-T-T-Y dash corner. See? Bam. <laughs> caddy Corner is a different angle. It's, you guys just, are, it's no, just to the right of the Kitty you're Corner. You're just bad at idioms, except that... <laughs> Dang it. Did you call him an idiom? Yeah, who are you calling an idiom? <laughs> According to the Urban Dictionary, Kitty Corner is also the stupid-sounding version of Caddy Corner found exclusively in Indonesia. <laughs> stupid oh, I'm version. sorry, not Indi- Indonesia, Indiana. So, my bad. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Urban, Urban well, Dictionary. Might as well be. <laughs> Urban For Dic- as much as I go to either one of those places. <laughs> Urban Dictionary is very, very reliable. Um, we have a great uh, and interesting and diverse podcast for you today. Uh, coming up later, uh, Josh uh, talks to author and speaker Tony Campolo. And, uh, and we also have a Lollapalooza 2010 recap for you. We're going to tell you some of the highlights that went down in Chicago this weekend with some clips. Cameron, if it's okay, I would also like to contribute a Shark Week recap. Okay. Because I watched all seven nights. (laughs) Wow. Good lord. Um, All right, so that's coming up later. But first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, August 17th. We have Ray LaMontagne. Ray LaMontagne with uh, God Willen and the Creek Don't Rise. God willing the creature. I like Ray Lomontane. It's beautiful. NPR streaming it. I listened to it yesterday. It's awesome. This stuff is beautiful. Yeah. The first four times. It's like I heard Nick Drake. I like I like I like that kind of singer songwriter stuff. The first four times I heard Ray Lamontane, I thought it was Tracy Chapman. <laughs> if you listen to them back to back, exactly the same. Is he also a handsome black man? <laughs> oh. I'm just saying that's what she I he she. Um in a similar vein, David Gray is actually coming out oh. with an album. What? No. I thought you were talking no, about not, Tracy He's Chaps. not a he-she. Okay. Uh, David Gray <laughs> is sonically... I, I was into Ray LaMontagne in the same era that I was into David Gray. Yeah. How's that? When you thought Starbucks should be in charge of the music? <laughs> no. <laughs> when was, was it a very reflective stage? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much Did you so. take a lot of long walks while you were <laughs> on that in stage? The wo- in the woods with a pipe. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the album's With called... like an old golden retriever. <laughs> the album's called Foundling. Um, American Hi-Fi is coming out with Fight the Frequency. They're still around. That's interesting. They sell that album at the Kitty Corner. <laughs> still fighting. And, and, and wrapping up the... Uh, wow, I didn't know they're still making music uh, a release week. Filter is coming out with The Trouble with Filter. Angels. Wow. Filter. Man. Wow. Movies coming out this week. We've got The Switch starring Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. It's by the people who did Juno. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, it's about he switched the sperm that she <laughs> inseminated herself with. Mm-hmm. Does Jason Playman, Jason Playman, does Jason <laughs> Bateman play a cynical thirty-something aging hipster? I don't know. Probably. I think you just described Jason Bateman. I, I know. I'm saying <laughs> he he's got he's got Michael Sarah syndrome. It's the same dude every movie. Yeah. I got yeah. an angry tweet today. Oh yeah! About somebody who strongly disagreed about you guys' Sarah rant from well, last I week. I strongly disagree well, with well, them. Apply it to Jason Bateman too. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Also coming out, Piranha 3D. Oh man! Wait, Finally. Wait, hold on a second. I got to back up. Someone was disputing yes. whether or not Michael Sarah was acting as the like same mul- character. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, they said that he's very, very different in his Scott Pilgrim versus the World movie. I've have heard that. That he's really different in that. It, he looks really different in that film. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, was, yeah. You know, he, he, a movie about like indie rock and uh, you know where he plays like kind of this down and out, uh, self-deprecating uh, early twenty-something. Yeah, it looks like a departure for him. It may yeah. look like he's wearing different khakis, but he's not. I think he moved to same. corduroys for this one. Did he? Okay. All right. We went. I got home and Netflix was that Youth and Revolt thing, and mm-hmm. I just want to send it back. Why? Because Michael Sarah. Give it a chance. I we'll don't watch want it. To. We'll watch it. I, don't want to. I saw the other guys with Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Really? Yeah, it's pretty funny. First half of it, hilarious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then they turned the second half. They tried to turn it into a real movie where yeah. like they actually solved the keeper. Yeah. And it's just like, oh no, no go back to the first half. It, it was just really it ridiculous. It wasn't quite as good. What? Right? Yeah. And then at the very end, but it was in really the credits. Funny. Like it really preachy yeah. in the credits, and you're like, really? Yeah. yeah. You're like. What just happened? What's, just... what's the plot without spoiler? Well, not like I really care about <laughs> having the plot spoiled, but what could they possibly get preachy about? Uh, corporate uh, greed. Yeah. Oh. Corporate greed. It was pretty funny how they kept going back to his gator persona, though. Gator. Like throughout the, when like his college character. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We can't say any Inside of the lines. Yeah, well, yeah. no, that that one that was actually a very funny plot device yeah. that would kind of ruin the surprise yeah. of. I don't want to know. Thanks, guys. Yeah, You're so, welcome. No, no, no. We didn't ruin anything. It, uh, I don't get to well, see many like, movies. Looks like okay? I'm going to see Piranha 3D. Thanks Piranha a lot. 3D. Uh, Elizabeth Shue stars in that. Poor Elizabeth Shue. Again, yeah. it's another movie title that has embedded 3D into the branding of the title of the movie. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Just this like is step up 3D. Well, it's Piranha 3. No, I, I get it. Yeah. I'm just saying. You know who directed jo- Piranha 2? Little in fact. Davis Guggenheim. James Cameron. Shut up. No. They should have called it Piranha 2D. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been more Chad, accurate. Chad, can you look it up to verify this? But I'm almost positive. It was before any of his other movies. It was his very first one. Which movie? Piranha 2. There's no way. Mm-hmm. The Legend of Curly's Gold. I can't. It's either per- he either directed <laughs> like Piranha or Piranha 2. There. Director James Cameron. Wow. wow. Yeah. What year? Uh, 1981. 
81. Yeah. It took him this two. long to well, they had to wait for the technology to catch up. It's like it's like his avatar. Yeah. They had to wait for the technology to catch up <laughs> before they could do the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard this one. I heard Piranha 3D is really preachy too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's got a whole environmental capitalism. Yeah. And thing, instead so. of right. and instead of Pocahontas, this one just copies Little Mermaid. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, uh, Nanny McPhee returns, starring Emma Thompson and Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's coming up. All right, well, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, slices. up Friday, August 27th at 7 p.m., Relevant Magazine and Axe to End Malaria present John Mark McMillan in concert, featuring special guests, All the Bright Lights, and Bella Reeve. It's a free one-night event to help in the fight to end malaria. John Mark McMillan, a favorite here at Relevant, in concert at Discovery Church in Orlando. For more info, go over to relevantmagazine.com slash concert. You're listening to Best Coast, which is, is that the, the East West? Coast. What's up? <laughs> no, I think it's she's talking about. She the West would, Coast. yeah, she's referring mm. to the West. The yeah. best coast, the West Coast is the best coast is the same. There's a picture of a East Coast is the best coast. No, What's up? The <laughs> have you seen have you seen the album cover for this album? No, it's awesome. Well, the album is called or the song is called Boyfriend. Mm. The album is Crazy for You. Yes, probably talking about her boyfriend mm. or the Best Coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. true. Um, it's uh, Best Coast. Yeah, there you go. So best, that's West Coast is just the Best Coast because it rhymes. It's it not true. No. There's a kitty on it. I think, well, we're see, the, we're I'm the an beast, East Coast. We're the Beast Coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard the love language with Heart to Tell. Every time I see right it. Now on relevant.fm. Every time I see the name of this band, I get disappointed that it's not love in any language. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is, which love language is it? Mm-hmm. Touch. What if it was just acts of service? <laughs> time. And so every time you listen to it, it did something nice for you. <laughs> what if it? Touched, Here, I'll open the door for you. you. Yeah, that's. I've true. never read the book. What are they? Neither what are I. the five love languages? It's acts of service. Yeah, a physical affection. You know, like whoa, touch. Whoa. There you go. And then there's gifts, right? Yeah. yeah there yeah. you go. And there's words. That, words. Words of affirmation. Words yeah. of affirmation. And, and then there is. Um, I've always said that, that violence was a love language <laughs> because sometimes when my kids do something that's right. just awesome, I want to punch them in the throat. <laughs> I do. That's how I feel. Yeah, disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love you, but you you really haven't turned out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're is, still okay, but what I was is the thinking fifth one? What I is had it? bigger I things remember. planned. So I'll find it. Right. What would we do without Google? Seriously. Yeah, they're looking. At, I got to know what the fifth love language is. Stuff all the time. Ryan, what's your love language? Uh, gifts, probably. You want to giving? Wait, or, wait oh, is, it, is it this how you show love or how you like to receive? How I sh- how I show love is giving. Okay, and uh, 
So embarrassing to say touch, but it's that's probably what it is. <laughs> well, sure. You're <laughs> sounds, so, sounds so dirty. You don't have to tell us where you like to get touched, huh? You don't have to tell us where you like. I to get I work touched. with Ryan, and so I have like, to confirm like he does. He, yeah, he does. I like do. Stuff like that. Yeah, I don't. You, you, you like to have your hair he tussled doesn't. after a hard day's work. I'm You're like, good job, big cat. Well, it's really funny. Do you want me like, to tussle your hair when you go get touched? My girlfriend like will. My girlfriend will like touch my hair, and I'm fine with it. But then when I try to like do it to her, she's like, "Stop it." I feel like a dog. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. That's my love language. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> translation. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointment. <laughs> okay. Words. Yeah. Translation. Disappointment. Yeah, what we forgot was quality hand. time. Uh, no, we said time. We said time. Words, of, a- said words time. of affirmation. Yeah. Quality time. Receiving gifts. Acts of service or physical touch. So receiving gifts, not giving huh. gifts. That so this is about receiving. that you like. No, he said receiving gifts. Yeah, receiving no, gifts. Yes. Okay. So. So That's, we said the five. Yeah. That guy got... I, uh, mine, are, mine are food and money. <laughs> 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 I don't know if those are on there. Jesse, that, uh, you're uh, describing your pimp game. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're talking about love language here. Uh, <laughs> what are the two stuff. elements to your pimp game? That's a whole different book. <laughs> food and money. <laughs> you should write that book, Jesse. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway. <laughs> it's time for slices. Jesse, what do you have? Okay, before I get into slices, I know we got a packed show today. Can I do like a two-minute rant about Shark Week? <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Okay, and then I have a slice. Um, so, did did you guys watch Shark Week? Are you guys into that, or is it only I, me? I started Shark Week. I couldn't finish Shark Week. It, it's such... Uh, being inundated with that many sharks flying through the air was overwhelming by yeah. day two. I couldn't finish. I was, okay. bo- I was boogie boarding in the ocean, and I was like... We were like waist deep, and I was like, you know, we could be attacked by shark right now because I, I just seen how that whole episode. That's how it happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it is Shark Week, so it, you, you're really taunting fate by swimming during Shark Week, especially here because we have a beach that is the number one beach in the country for shark bites, shark that's attacks. A, that's the one Which, I was. In. You're welcome. Is it New Smyrna? Yeah, that's, that's why yeah. we're the Beast Coast. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, you, got, hey. you got more beasts. Well, I've been I've been a Shark Week fan ever since I was a kid. You know, <laughs> and I remember back in the day when Shark Week would come on. Every show was like the, the dude would like get in a cage in the water and like sharks would like swim around him, you right, know? Yeah. yeah. But ever since then, like every year, they've been progressively like taking it up a notch. <laughs> so, like now, if you saw a dude in a cage, you're like, oh, whatever. I, you know, I can do that at SeaWorld. Now, Shark Week <laughs> has literally become let's find elaborate ways to taunt the sharks and then catch them freaking out in slow mo, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, and they do it under the guides of like scientific research. It's like they have one guy. It's like, well, what we found out today is if we poke the shark in the face with this <laughs> stick, it becomes agitated. <laughs> and, then, and then they literally like figure out ways to get the sharks to like jump out of the air and jump in the air and do a flip and catch it in slow mo, you know? And I was thinking like, what if other nature shows took on the the whole thing of shark week like if they went into like the woods and like oh there's a mother deer with its baby let's go punch it in the nose and see if it freaks out because that's pretty much what they're doing with shark week but you would watch Not that i have a problem with it but i'm just right. saying it's gotten a little over the top i was yeah. gonna but you would watch the deer show Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we're we're not far from the point where they just look at the camera and be like, "Listen, we're not really trying to teach you anything. What we're going to do here is throw a bunch of bloody meat in the water, and I got this broomstick with a boxing glove duct tape to the end, and we're just going to start punching them and see what happens." Like seriously, it, it's getting that close. So you know the uh, 
here we have a water park called Typhoon Lagoon. And back when I was in high school is when they opened it. And so before they opened it, they were letting groups in to like preview it, you know. And back then, one of the big features, defining features of it in the typhoon was a big pool slash tank that had sharks. You could swim with them. You could swim with them. You could basically snorkel across this massive tank Mm -hmm. where there was nothing between you and sharks. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And, you know, you're doing the whole thing. And, I, and so I went and I did that. And, and so they're giving all the safety prep and stuff. And somebody asked about the sharks. And like, no, they're nurse sharks. They stay on the bottom. You know, it's actually, you're totally safe, blah, blah, blah. And like literally four months later, they shut it down because somebody got bit. Oh, yeah. Because a shark came up and bit a tourist. Wow. Okay. Well, I, well so I let me ask sharks. you this. Since, uh, since then, have you been a little desensitized to how cool sharks are? That <laughs> if you're watching it on TV, the special, like if you're going to dedicate an hour each night to watching a show about sharks, like I've been so desensitized growing up that they literally, it takes a guy getting into yeah. shark infested right. water and purposely provoking them yeah. for to watch. Yeah. Cause you're just like, okay, yeah, I've been seeing this before. Yeah, you got to yeah, amplify like, so it every now year. Now I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pull on its tail for a while and let's see if I can get him to try to bite me. Yeah, I you saw know? that. That happened last year. A guy like yeah. rode a shark. Like one of those, <laughs> he like grabbed onto a great white's fin and just rode but, it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Great. They don't care. Like it used to be about like research. Now it's just like, let's piss these sharks off <laughs> and catch it in slow-mo. Jesse, I think you're the target demographic for all this though. And it it's too over the top for you. I wouldn't say it's too over the top. I was just <laughs> making the observation. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know. Gotcha. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's, we're not far from them trying to get figure out ways to get sharks to fight each other during Shark Week. That would be awesome. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. Everybody would watch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm saying, I, I, mark my words, we're two years away. We're that two could, Shark Weeks away from this. That could be the, the first step toward my dream Discovery Channel show, which is like dangerous animals of the world fight each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, keep watching Shark Week. It's not that far off. Do you I think like they'd it. get Michael Vick to host? Oh, God. <laughs> really? He jumps in the water with them. Yeah. All right. What's your What's your actual slice? Okay. Sorry Sorry to derail that. I just had to get that off my chest. Yeah, was- um, did you guys hear about Taco Bell's new menu item? No. It is the Cantina Tacos, what they're calling it. And this is literally from their marketing piece. It's based upon authentic Mexican-style street tacos. Mm. I, I got to be honest. Nothing sounds less appetizing. One, how is a regular Taco Bell taco distinguishable than a Mexican, from a Mexican street taco? Like the meat is... Uh, already the lowest possible grade and it and the lettuce tastes like it's been sitting in the back of a hot car. So I don't know how they're going to get more authentic than that. Mm-hmm. I really like Mexican street tacos. Did, did you just get your slice going through the drive-thru on the way home just now? Yeah, my slice is also called dinner. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think they're for sale yet, but uh, they have a picture of them on here and they look like they're in some, like, they look like a fish taco sort of, but I... I, I I pray that Taco Bell is not considering serving seafood. Yeah, I think true. I think it's just chicken and steak, but it's in that like little pita wrap thing, you know. Well, mm-hmm. it's just the corn tortilla shell. Oh, that's the difference. Well, the difference is like because like a real Mexican street taco, all it is is a corn tortilla 
with like a little bit of carne pollo asada mm-hmm. and onions and cilantro. And like, well, you're forgetting the and, secret ingredient of a Mexican street taco. <laughs> Dysentery. <laughs> Sweat. Hey, and they are also Sweat. only 33 cents a piece and they are delicious. <laughs> and then you put on some scalding salsa. It's fantastic. Tacos at Taco Bell used to cost 33 cents when I was a kid. Yeah. Coke was a nickel. <laughs> Coke, Coke at Taco Bell has always been free to me because I order the water cup. <laughs> oh, so, I love it. Yeah, I'll have an extra large water cup, please. <laughs> so um, my slice has to do with a little bit of sci-fi. I've been really addicted to the Sci-Fi Network lately. They've got a lot of good shows. No, they I've don't. They have a lot of shows. What shows? What shows? I've been hours started a day. watching Eureka. Oh, is that good? I like it. I need to go back. I just started like this season. I, so I have to go back. Um, so this guy, 29, 29-year-old uh, guy named Michael J. Rooney. Ronnie. Ronnie. Let's go. Michael J. Ronnie. Happened upon an audio cassette tape called Star Trek Con- Conversational Klingon. Back in 2003, he bought it for $1 at a used store, a used bookstore. Well, eight years later, he now is making his living off of being a Klingon translator. And like real people, like he has done work for Google. Mm-mm. Google, it's volunteer work stuff for Google. But he's... Because uh, it's a nonprofit, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he's yeah. also does volunteer work for Wikipedia. <laughs> the signs in from home. <laughs> um. He's helped a uh, t-shirts company. He um, was recently hired by um, where the where the Comic-Con was in San Diego um, to do the signs, the, you know, walk across the street and all these signs in Klingon um, for when the Comic-Con was going on. Question. So, yes. Do his parents live upstairs <laughs> or downstairs? That's a picture of him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, his what love I thought language is Cleon. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought he'd look like. So, this guy is being literally making a living by it. That's amazing. Wow. Well, when you live at home for free, oh, you it. don't need to... M- well, and his mom probably buys him Totinos, too. Yeah. 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 His and mom probably buys him Mexican street, street tacos. <laughs> exactly. That's, right. yeah. um, his mom's like, I got you street tacos. He's like, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Attached to that uh, slice was that Westboro Baptist Church that pickets everything. Uh-huh. Apparently had just recently picketed uh, the Comic-Con because they say that the people are uh, worshiping false idols such as Batman and the Green Lan- Lantern. And they hired him to translate their messages <laughs> into no, Klingon. Sadly, he doesn't. But I just like this. How so else I, are they going to hear? And the, the people outside of Comic-Con had a big sign that said, God hates nerds. I like their that, love language is hate. Yes. <laughs> I like that under the big sign that Maya just showed us that says God hates nerds, it's got Romans 913. Yeah. Underneath it. As if like as there's if a direct verse yeah. about nerds. God hates nerds. In case They've you think, gone too far. In case uh, you thought we were making this up, this is what God says. What does says Romans 913 say? I yeah, go it's, to it's it's has to do with the um maybe two it's sons. A, maybe it's a paraphrase. How God chose Jacob and not I don't know. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the it's the New Testament. Here we go. Read it. Later, that was turned into a stark ep- epigram. I love Jacob. I hated Esau. Yeah, see, I was right. But, you know, Esau was the one that was a nerd. Yeah, he was a little so nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> Esau was a nerd. He was nerdy. Yeah. Esau, he played a lot of D anD. D. That doesn't even make sense. Esau has you know, to go back. Did they with- just arbitrarily pick a verse? Like, <laughs> on the poster was on. It's like, hurry, put something on there. Uh, Romans nine uh, thirteen. 
God hates nerds. I like where it's it has like the word hates in it, so they're they're good with it. Yeah, maybe it was something like they accidentally mistranslated that Esau was hairy, and really it said Esau had an affinity for twelve sided dye. <laughs> maybe yeah, they they made the Chewbacca connection. <laughs> okay, so what they're doing, what they're doing is just it's, connecting it to the fact that it, historically and biblically, God did hate certain people, mm. right? So because if you read the verses around it. I'm reading the message right now, uh, verse 12. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place. Later, that was turned into a stark epigram. I loved Jacob. I hated Esau. Is that grounds for complaining that God is unfair? Not so fast. God told Moses, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. Compassion doesn't originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. Uh, the same point was made when God said to Pharaoh, I picked you as a bit player in this drama of my salvation power. So like that God has favorites. He hates one, loves the other. Right. So they just fill in whatever. Word they, they yeah. Want God hates on. blank. Romans nine thirteen. Yeah. That's what they're doing. I want a shirt. This is God hates nerds. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Ryan, you have a slice. Yes. Um, well, my slice, I guess for, before I say it, I keep in mind, I am curious to know what you guys think at the end of this is as to whether this guy is a hero or should be thrown in jail. So just, just setting that up. All right. So every time we fly now, you know, they have the, the flight attendant does the whole, like, you know, we're landed, but please don't stand up and get your stuff until the captain is turned off seatbelt sign. Mm -hmm. So there was this flight getting into New York and the flight attendant did the whole warning, but some guy ignored him and stood up and opened the overhead compartment and a bag fell out and hit this guy in the head. So the guy who got hit in the head got really angry. Mm -hmm. So the flight attendant openly berated him then got on the got on the pa system like um basically told the guy off i don't know exactly what he said grabbed a beer from the cooler then hit the button that activated the emergency <laughs> slide and slid away and just ran ran home <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome it's true they, they How did he run home and too? like security in the well, airport didn't no because they arrested him at his home in the bronx yeah yeah, they're probably so sho <laughs> shocked. Like, how do you? I mean, can you, you imagine do? being on that plane? Like, you see the flight attendant be like, "Sir, I told you to sit down. Being hurt was your fault." Grabs a beer, hits a slide, and is gone. <laughs> yeah, peace <laughs> out. Uh, That's amazing. I just love that he got out of the plane via the slide. Via the yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. It's just the best. It's a great way to go. That's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, he's in jail now. <laughs> uh, a pastor was arrested on Monday. Um, he's uh, he's the adult uh, in charge. What do you call an adult that's in charge of a child? A guardian? Not the parent. Guardian. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> uh, their mom, a parent. Or dad? No. Yeah, he's the guardian for a 15 year old who's going into ninth grade uh, this year in Macon, Georgia, and uh, he is protesting again. This guy's a pastor. Uh, that the high school that he has to send his child to uh, is nicknamed the Demons. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pastor, Donald Crosby, said the school's demon logo just encourages children to evil. He says, I don't scare easily. Lock me up as many times as you have to lock me up. Even kill me if you have to. I'm standing up for Jesus. He criticized other Christians who he says are singing in church while their children are being taught to praise demons. He says, demons aren't lazy, Christians are. I don't know. I feel like that's a good bumper sticker. Um, <laughs> he said that the city uh, of Warner Robins, where this is near, uh, must repent Georgia? for its demon uh -huh. praising. I know Warner Robins, Georgia. Yeah. So he said the whole city needs to repent for its demon praising. Basically, he was arrested because he was protesting without 
a permit. Uh, and <laughs> so they arrest they arrested him. <laughs> you need a permit to per- so, protest? Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Well, when it, when it comes to demons, they get really sensitive. <laughs> well, so, so were, they, were they like, was it like the demon, like, like Duke or Wake Forest? Like the demon deacons? Yeah. That's no. like an elder board, a typical no, church. This is a, or, this or the a, Blue Devils. It's a public high school here, and uh, he had about 30 protesters out in front of the uh, in front of the school while people were dropping off their kids on the first day of school. So. He could just send that kid to another school or move or send him to a Yeah, he'd have school, to move probably because, yeah, you could always homeschool. That was an option for a lot of uh, people that were afraid of demons, mm-hmm. specifically Christian parents. Yeah. Yeah. My Christian parents. I'll just <laughs> finish with that thought. Just, just, just vent right now. Yeah, no. Let's hear, let's hear all that that pent up frustration. No, I, I've said this before, but when you're homeschooled, you only become good at whatever your mom's good at. And if your mom's like awesome at wrestling or like you know doing something like cool like that, then it's great. If your mom's, wait, 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 wait. If your mom's good at arts and crafts, wait. then it just means something completely different for your life. Do you, do you scrapbook on the weekends? Josh? Right, exactly. <laughs> so you you're you're equating your mom's cr- love language is wrestling. <laughs> I'm saying that would have been cooler than Sorry, the fact that I I actually painted wooden mallards <laughs> as a part of my homeschooling curriculum. But now you're artistic. Yeah. I don't creative. Know. I don't know. You wear funny hats. I have a lot of <laughs> mallards <laughs> in the attic at my parents' house. <laughs> oh, oh man! Awesome. Yeah. So I um I I tweeted like if anybody had any requests for the podcast and and actually Chad I have quite a few music music requests which um, I'll share with you later. Tell them we'll play them next week. <laughs> Most of our Avet <laughs> brothers related, so that's all right. Um, but then Jesse, several people or one person said, um, I remember a podcast from a few years ago when Jesse told a story about a family, the pet chimpanzee. Yeah. All I remember is that I died laughing. If he could retell that story, that'd be fantastic. And then like all these people are like, Oh, that was the funniest podcast moment ever. Do you remember that story? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I do. Um, <laughs> do, do they want the story now or, yes. or for more or when we have like a, a, a less robust lineup? Yeah, that's true. I, Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I'm good either way. Maybe keep it but. in your pocket because for people who have joined the podcast in the last couple of years and haven't heard it, it's life changing. <laughs> it it, it really it. is. I, look I, to it. I, I, I want to go into it, but yeah, we'll just say that it's a teaser because it is a hilarious story. So it's a true story. Yeah. It is. It is a, a horrific true story. What can happen in your neighborhood? Who had a pet chimpanzee? It's really it's bizarre. Um, I want to go back to this God hates people thing. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Really? Are there any other verses where. God said I hated this person. I mean, do you think God hated like Hitler? I think that it's difficult to put take that verse out of context because I'm trying to put it in context. Right, right. That's what I'm asking well, about. Well, it. well, well, well th- th- can I just give one example too, real quick, Ryan? Before you, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, th- there's another one. I I want to say where it references even hating your mom and dad or something if they are right jesus if they take priority over god did you know what i'm talking about ryan yeah because in the gospels jesus tells them you will hate your mother and father and come and serve me yeah so it's i mean it's kind of you'll hate god doesn't hate them well right but i mean the thing is is it's like it's almost like it's used as a like hyperbole because it's meant to express like God's love for this thing is so profound that in comparison, it's like hatred. It's used by a lot of middle schoolers going through puberty, looking for reasons to turn <laughs> against their parents. As well. Um, right. Well, yeah. that verse. Yeah. Well, well, well here, here's the, uh, 
if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I don't think he's literally talking about I, I think, like Ryan was saying, it, there's a bit of hyperbole and, and speaking figuratively. Like, a, there's, a, I think there's a literal hatred, where, and it's also used to illustrate what's secondary. Just like with Jacob and Esau, Esau was secondary. There was love and hate, and they're just like with our own families and God. Of course, we love our families, but in comparison to how much we love God, it's secondary that that love can look like hate. Just like with Jacob and Esau, favor. And a lot, and and God restraining His mercy is an illustration of love and hate. What about Psalm five five that says, "The arrogant cannot stand in your presence; you hate all who do wrong." Well, I, I think there are times when it's used literally, and the, and there are other times when it's used, like I said, to kind of illustrate to like like God is so is so great. Our devotion to God is so great that in comparison to how much we should love Him. Our, our love for our own family should resemble hatred. He's not saying we should literally hate our families. Right. Well, and I think especially in the Psalm example, like I would, I would posit that it's generally like a poetic device. Um, I mean, I, cause I mean, as with anything in the Bible, you have to put it in. It's like, what's you have the to, reference? Sorry, Chad. Psalm five, five. Okay. Like with anything in the Bible, you have to put it in the greater narrative of scripture. Um, and I mean, even like, I mean, even with the story of Jacob and Esau, like, it's pretty obvious that Esau was sort of the secondary person, but it's also obvious from the story that God's not exactly a fan of Jacob all the time either. Um, so, I mean, because it's not like Jacob's clapped on the back for deceiving his parents. Um, I mean, he's cast out and has to be reconciled to God. I mean, but, but to, to his verse... The Amplified Bible says, boasters can have no standing in your sight. You abhor all evildoers. So instead of hate, it says abhor. Yeah. You will destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors and rejects the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Yeah, it, it, I think it's one of those things where you're, you're looking at, the, when examining like the, the characteristics and nature of, of God, I think we have in modern evangelical culture have a very has a relatively limited view where we understand that God is love, period, but we don't understand everything that encompasses love. And someone who does evil, essentially, it doesn't just hate God, but he hates everything, including himself, because it separates him from God. So, you know, I think when we look at verses where God displays anger and can't stand a certain person or shows favor to one person over the next, a lot of times it doesn't fit with our understanding of what love is. And I think that's kind of the issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my my take on the deal is the the feelings and the emotions of God are far more complex than I feel like our... I feel like our, our English language is limited when it comes to explaining and defining, obviously, the mystery of God, but specifically the emotions of God. And um, I think the feelings of God towards people who do evil are, are go far beyond, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. And, um, and so I, I don't think hate fully captures how God feels about people uh, and things that they do. So. Well, I was going to say, and one thing, there's there's a lot of, uh, John Piper wrote a great 
article in the magazine, this was a few years ago, about some of the, the nuances of, of Scripture where, you know, there's a lot of examples just of God saying, don't lie. Lying is wrong. Even that verse in Psalms, you know, uh, you know what God thinks of liars. But there are times when, uh, you know, like the story of Rahab, Rahab lied to protect the Jewish spies. She did something that God commanded us not to do, but she was rewarded for it. You know, she chose the lesser of two evils, but she still did something that was against what was wrong. And so I don't, I don't, I think sometimes like our understanding is relatively simplistic when it comes to things like hatred and lying and even sometimes right and wrong. Like, was Rahab right for lying? Even she did protect the spies, but she told the bold faced lie, but she was rewarded for it, you know? Well, when I was walking to Lollapalooza, one of the, um, very eloquent street preachers on the megaphone with the sandwich board um, <laughs> was screaming uh, very lovingly. Um, God doesn't love all. The Bible doesn't say that God loves all people. That's a lie. You know, if you uh, reject God, he'll reject you. You know, God is not, you know, whatever. And while delivered in a very uh, <clears throat> controversial way, it was, kind of a jarring reminder that it goes along with these verses I mean, that there is some sort of uh, favoritism. Well, mm-hmm. but, but one thing I think it's important to look at too, when, when, you know, Christ came, you know, the, the ra- because with Jacob and Esau and a lot of the things in the old Testament that are hard to reconcile, the wrath of God was manifested because there was no sacrifice for sin that, that God, that the sin that separated us from, from God was unatoned for. So God's anger and wrath could be brought out. It could be brought out in not showing mercy or showing favoritism or telling the Israelites to go wipe out an entire people group because God was displaying his wrath but for sin. But when, when Christ came, all the wrath of God was put on him. And so... You know, the, you know, Jesus Christ dying on the cross is is the manifestation of all of God's wrath for everything we've done wrong. So now it's saying that favoritism that I showed, that uh, those consequences that I directly took on people, you know, Jesus took those. If you if you accept His sacrifice, you know, the consequences of your sin are now, are now paid for. You know, hmm. interesting. I just I think I think about the children of Israel and uh, and I just I think they represent such a beautiful picture of God's relationship with humanity that comes with such a mixed bag of experiences of people that are obedient and people that are disobedient and um, and they had to suffer consequences of you know from their own you know decisions to walk away from God. And, uh, and I think that was a very painful experience for them, but also for God. And I feel like he, there was, there was judgment and there was, you know, a lot of anger, uh, towards, towards people that are represented in how God, um, punished them. So it's like a a jealous anger. Yeah. That's, there's, that's a real complex, but that's what I'm saying. The hate that, that, that is there, the anger that is there is so complex and so layered that it, it doesn't. To say that God hates or to say that God's angry, um, I feel like we're, there's so much we're missing behind um, behind some of those statements that's broken. I think it's missing in our language and how we define. 
But I think, too, that points to the significance and power of what Christ did on the cross, because we, we know how great the consequences are for, you know, our sin, you know, and and what God, God does hate that stuff, you know, but Jesus said, listen, I want to stand in the gap because they, you know, people can't get to you. You do hate what they do. It causes you to hate them. But instead of you hating them, I'm going to stand in the gap and all the wrath that you have for these people that uh, rebel against you, that you hate, put it on me. And if they accept that sacrifice, they no longer have to have that. You know, I think that's part of the, you know, like uh, Ryan was saying, that the narrative of the gospel is that, yeah, God is a jealous God. And, and you know, there is a lot of wrath stored up for us, but that's what Christ received, so we didn't have to. Yeah, I'm continuing to read Romans 9. It's interesting, the Amplified. I mean, uh, even, even back to an early point that, you know, that uh, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Right. The Amplified adds... Uh, held in relative disregard in comparison with my feeling for Jacob, right? You know, right. which is a point that yeah, Ryan made yeah, earlier, yeah. I think. But I'm, I'm continue. I mean, I'm down on verse 35, and he's just talking about that 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 tension um, of um, God's anger and jealous anger for the unrighteous, and right. and it's an interesting. Well, now I know what I'm reading tonight. You liked <laughs> how I was able to weave sci-fi and Klingon into the Bible there, right? That's to, good. To deeper, deeper conversation. So at the bottom of the day, bottom of the, bottom of the day here, end of the day, God hates nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we can take away from this conversation. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, our recap of Lollapalooza. Church leaders, do you like relevant? Well, check out New. It's our magazine for church leaders. It's all about ideas shaping the future of the church. It's only 12 bucks, but for only $8 more, you can get relevant too. Yes, that's 10 issues for only 20 bucks. Check it out. Relevantmagazine.com slash new. It's new, N-E-U-E. Relevantmagazine.com slash new. listening to Thad Cockrell. The song is Pride Won't Get Us Where We're Going. It's playing right now on Relevant.fm. Chad, you want to tell us about Thad? I'm a big fan of Thad. Um, he's been around for a while, but uh, his album that came out here in 2009, To Be Loved, was really good, and they just put a big push on it. They were giving it away for free for a couple weeks on uh, Noise Trade. Noise Trade. Yeah. And, uh, but I, that's the Spotlight Song of the Week. If you guys um, want free music, go check out Derek Webb's NoiseTrade.com. It's awesome. Yeah. I think the new Cadman's Call album is up there right now. A few, song, a a few songs. A few songs, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I won't take very long, but I want to give you guys a recap of Lollapalooza 2010. Happened last weekend in Chicago, Illinois, downtown. If you've never been to Lollapalooza, I would say it joins Bonnaroo, Sasquatch, and maybe Coachella as the premier cool music uh, 
festival every year. Would you agree, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Although it was better than Bonnaroo this year. Yeah, it definitely was better than Bonnaroo. Yeah. Uh, the lineup included uh, a number of great bands and some really terrible throwbacks. It was bizarre. It's it's downtown Chicago and Grant Park. So they have two main stages and a bunch of second. It's like a mirror to itself. Like right, the fountains right in the middle. The way they laid it out this year, all the cool bands played on the north side of the park and all the weird <laughs> bands or old bands played on the south side. Hmm. And so you didn't really see an intermingling of people who don't yeah. get along, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you were there for like uh, Green Day and Soundgarden and Social Distortion, you just stayed on the one side. And if you wanted to see like Arcade Fire or The National or Phoenix or Black Keys, you stayed on the other side. So it was actually very convenient. Um, so you just stayed on one side the whole time? Well, I didn't because the media tent was on the other side. Okay. And so I actually did quite a bit of walking. But um, <laughs> the the lineup this year uh, featured a number of artists that we have covered and uh, will cover in Relevant. So it was very apropos for our magazine to be there. I, I actually went and shot uh, a lot of the, the bands, uh, a lot of the performances. And we'll be, we put a recap up on the website this week. Um, so you can go check that out if you want to see visuals and download clips. But I wanted to tell you guys my top five performances uh, from Lollapalooza. I'll start at number five. Okay, number five probably was number one or two for a lot of people, but it's my number five. It was Grizzly Bear. They, um, it's a great album. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic album. Uh, th- they had to play main stage in the afternoon, though. Yeah. So it was kind of out of sorts, but it's still a great show, great music. Crowd was really into it. Well, the hard thing about a band like Grizzly Bear at um, outdoor festivals is the sound can get blown around and they have such a precise sound. Oh, no, the sound was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, the sound was fantastic. So, okay, so here's a clip of Grizzly Bear if you don't know their music. Here's, Here's what they sound like. Okay. I really to do that. <laughs> and now here's the sound of a real grizzly bear. <laughs> um, probably would have been a little bit more thrilling if there were real grizzly bears there, but uh, as it was, it was, it was great. The, the backup, hipster- backup bears on the last tour didn't work hipster. out so well. The hipsters would have gone crazy. <laughs> okay. Number four, best show, best performance for me, Metric. Metric, I love the album, but I, I was nervous how it would translate to live because it's kind of electro pop, you know, you just, you just don't know. Were those people that were all in black? No. Okay. That's one of my disappointments. Okay. Um, that's Emily Haynes, right? Yes. Isn't, yeah. So uh, what I liken it to was the first time I saw the kills, which we saw in 08 at, um, at Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the energy that she brought, that Emily brought to the performance was insane. She's all over the stage. She's, on her knees, she's running around. That she'll run to the keyboard and play. I mean, it was just like your your jaws open. What in the world? I love it when a band can like take a great album and actually amplify it and, and like kind of reinvent it live. And that's what they did. I thought that's Metric cool. was fantastic. Here's here's some of their music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, number three best performance for me, The Black Keys. It was the only good performance on Friday. It was a really weird and weak day on Friday. Um, but The Black Keys carried main stage in the afternoon. The thing that was interesting about them, if you know their album at all, Brothers, get it. It's I mean, amazing. get it. It's, it's amazing. amazing, right? So it's a couple of couple of normal, plain Jane. They didn't look like rock stars at all. White guys from Akron, Ohio. And they walk out on stage and one of the guys sits at the drums and one of the guys picks up a guitar. And for the next hour and a half, they blew your mind with rock and roll. I mean, it was unreal. So they, they play like eight songs, just the two of them. And it sounds like a full rock band. I mean, like hmm. it sounds like two guitars and a bassist and everything. It's just so thick. You know, it's just amazing music. And then, uh, then they brought out a bassist and a keyboardist, and they played a lot of the stuff from the new album, which has a lot of keyboard in it. You just have to. Um, but which, which took it to another level. So, I mean, it was kind of like White Stripes-esque at the beginning, where you're just like, how are they doing this? It's amazing. It's just stripped down rock and roll funky. And then after that, they played the new album stuff, and it was just insane. Um, I'm a huge fan of Black Keys, and they did not disappoint. Here's some of their music. Now's where it's getting really good. So the lineup on Sunday was one of the better music lineups that you're ever going to see in a row, back to back to back. So Sunday, this is I'm just going to tell you the lineup of this one, two stages. They go back and forth, two stages, okay? Miniature Tigers, The Antlers, The Dodos, Blitz and Trapper, Mumford and Sons, Yay Sayer, Mute Math, MGMT, The National, and Arcade Fire. That was Sunday on two stages. So... Uh, this isn't my number two, but the Dodos were amazing. I, I wasn't a fan going in. I didn't know their music. I'm a fan now. Great stuff. Go check them out. But number th- number two for me was Mumford & Sons. Absolutely groundbreaking, mind-blowing performance. If you know their album, it's moving. It's spiritual. It's crying out to God. And to see, you know... 25,000 people crammed in there singing every word. And when they're crying out to God and they're, you know, seeking redemption and all this stuff together collectively, it was just powerful. Mm. The music itself is very like, uh, they're, they're English. So it's like kind of old English pub, Irish folk type stuff. And it translates to live, like something you've never experienced before. So like they'll be in the middle of a song and they'll just like kind of you know, say like, let's have an afternoon dance party. And then they'll just like go off in this like two minutes of just, and the crowd just erupts. And it was just, it was amazing. Two things about Mumford and Sons. One, the spiritual content of the music is, I mean, it's just dripping with it. Come to find out, rumor has it, rumor has it, and we are checking into this, but rumor has it that uh, his parents are pastors in England and were actually very instrumental in our leaders in the vineyard movement there. Um, oh, wow. And that explains a whole lot because he's a line in one of his songs where he says, um, my shame uh, separated me from the God that I loved. Da, 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 da. And it goes on from there where he's then seeking the healing of that uh, and trying to find a God that he once loved, but he feels like he doesn't deserve God's love. And the whole album is this journey and this mm-hmm. search. And to see how that connected with people, so powerful. That's number one. Number two, the guy looks exactly like Tim Tebow. (laughs) 
Does he have the fryer? There it is. Right? No, no. There it is. He doesn't have the fryer. <laughs> so waiting for that. Pre fryer Tim Tebow. I'm not kidding. Ryan saw Wait, the pictures. A fryer? Yeah. They shaved oh, a massive bald spot in his For head. a rookie? Yeah. Yeah. I showed you the pictures today, and, yeah. and everybody else could see him on the website this week. Yeah. Yeah. He's built like him. He smiles like him. His hairs comb like him. He looks exactly like Tim Tebow. Did he, he, fix- he has the same poor throwing mechanics. See, I was going to say, did he fix his <laughs> throwing mechanics? way too low. It got him two two national championships. Be careful, Jesse. Be careful, Jesse. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not going to translate to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous it. that you get to I make comments. I'm just, just giving you guys a hard time. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not a Tebow hater. He's a first-round pick. He's getting millions and millions of dollars. It's getting no, better not, than... Hey, I, just I'm one just million. joking. I, I promise. It was just a joke. Also, weirdly enough, Better the than guy that Texas quarterback. <laughs> the guy had. He's wearing for minimum wage. <laughs> Colt McCoy. The guy also has sun protection that have Bible verses written. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was bizarre. <laughs> but if Tim Tebow was wearing tight jeans and a vest, you you can't tell the difference. So I I'm saying I'm in an editorial meeting today, and I'm saying we got to put Mumford and Sons on our cover because you're gonna get the Mumford and Sons fans. You're gonna <laughs> tell an amazing story. Amazing story. And it'll be in the middle of football season. <laughs> and so people who glance at it may think that it's Tim Tebow. On and they're cover, like, oh. And they pick it up, too. And they'll be like, that's the guy who got cut from the Broncos in the third week. Oh. <laughs> oh. Dude, see. I think that I, just I was cost just you your around. job. That was <laughs> cold up. I was going to say, I had to wait to hold on to that all day until go. the podcast so I could say it. Not Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. All right. Okay. So not going to get cut, people. Here, here is some of the Mumford and Sons musical genius. So tie me to a post and block my ears I can see where those orphans through my tears And know my call despite my faults and despite my growing fears But I'll hold on hope and I'll let you choke On the noose around your neck and All right, and that leads me to our number one, my number one moment of Lollapalooza 2010. Uh, probably Green no day. surprise. Gaga. Green Day. <laughs> Green Day. <laughs> 21 Guns by Green Day. Soundgarden. <laughs> Arcade Fire. There it is. Arcade Fire was like, I'm wearing the t-shirt right now. I mean, Arcade Fire is one of those things that was so transcendent. I'll, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of it, conscious that I'll never experience something like this again. It was unbelievable to be there with 150,000 people experiencing what we saw that night. Wow. And you got th- to be really close. The for cool thing is, yeah, the first, yeah, the first several songs, uh, I real limited access to the photo uh, area right on the stage, and I got approved to get in there. So I was right, I mean, I couldn't have been five feet from the lead singer. Wow. And uh, for the first several songs. And then I went over to the side, side of the stage where, I, ironically, I just happened to just like camp out there because it was a good view. And I would look to my left and I'm actually standing right where the VIP artist entrance mm. is. And so every artist wanted to see Arcade Fire. So I started to look around me. Oh, there's the guys from Grizzly Bear. <laughs> oh, there's, there's Mumford right there. And Tim Tebow standing right next mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. <laughs> to my immediate right was Paul from Mute Math. We ended up talking because we've known, you know, I've known him for years. And so I'm still, literally sitting there watching Arcade Fire with like all the groups from the entire Lala lineup. Lady Gaga. I put her on my shoulders at one point, <laughs> no, but no, it was insane. Ew. It was insane. And, and what happens with Mumford, 
we, Brian and I were talking earlier this morning. If you've ever been to like a big Coldplay concert, there's something that happens where like it's a heart cry moment, like where it lifts beyond the music and it's like a spiritual moment. And you really feel like people are worshiping. Yeah. And it's not some false God thing. Like you feel like people are crying out to God. And that happened continually during Arcade Fire, except like you're drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah. I mean, from the moment it started, it wasn't like we're Coldplay. You just kind of have this moment toward the end where you all experience this thing. It was the entire thing was from beginning to end a crying out to God worship service. I mean, when he sings that line from funeral, purify my heart, purify my mind. And 150,000 people are singing all those words. I mean, they're singing them to God. They're not singing them to their friend. You know what I mean? They know what they're saying. It was so powerful. Oh, that's cool. Aside from just the musicianship, I mean, they're moving all around. I mean, they're playing accordion, then the girl's playing accordion, then she goes and she's playing drums. There's two drummers, and then she's going over and playing. She picks up some weird instrument, and then the dude who's playing guitar runs off and is playing drums, and he's playing bass, and then he's playing the flute. And then, I mean, like, they're all just running all over the place. And so you're just amazed at the performance. But, you know, Funeral, that album, um, when they played those songs, it, it lifted everything. I mean, Neon Bible is amazing, and their new album's amazing too. But when they played the songs from Funeral, something like higher happened, mm. you know? And to me, that was the most worshipful album, in my opinion. But it was amazing. And of course, they don't play the. Uh, uh, wake where, Up? The, I don't remember the name of Where the Wild Things Are song. Yeah, Wake Up. Yeah. So they don't play it, of course. Until so, the, yeah, the encore yeah. then becomes that. And. I mean, everybody knows this is yeah. the last yeah, moment. Right, right, right. And everybody knows that song. And they're all screaming it at the top of their lungs. You've, I've never seen anything like that that's in cool. my life. It was unbelievable. That's it great. was unbelievable. So that's my number one Lollapalooza recap. Here, here's uh, Chad, play me, play me uh, two clips. Play me the Purify My Heart clip line. And then pl- let's play the Where the Wild Things Are song. All right, there you go. Now let's play Wake Up 2. Let's play Wake Up 2. Um, okay, now here's the disappointments. Ready? I love the XX album. I love it. It's, it's great. great. Great album. Wonderful. Terrible live performance. Really? They both look like Nazis. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I saw the fifth. The one guy is giving the crowd the evil eye the and entire not even, time. It's not even Nazis. It's like vampire Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's yeah. got. The, he had the right shoes on. So he's he's given. Like, don't the, take this the wrong way, but they look like vampire Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against them. Yeah. So he's giving the crowd the evil eye the whole time. The girl won't look up. No. She's terrified shoe or gazer. something. She's a shoegazer. <laughs> terrified. Then, oh, yeah, it was bad. I love the I love this image that you would come home and be like, 
my I saw the XX. They're vampires. And then she's like, oh, oh. Sounds interesting. and then oh. Nazis. Oh, oh. <laughs> can you burn me? The good CD? news is so vampires. Close. Bad news. Nazi vampires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was a disappointment. Um, oh, oh, if you're into hippie stuff, there's a hippie movement in full boom. Okay, hippies were in the trees all over at Lollapalooza. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They like to climb trees. Yeah. If you saw a tree, look up. Probably a hippie in it. Did I, hippies. Did I tell you about the girl I saw at Lala last year who was hula hooping the entire animal collective set? <laughs> um, I saw a hula hoop girl this year. Did her top fall off? No. Because that happened. No. <laughs> no. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Did she stop or she just keep Yeah, going? she stopped and laughed and then kept oh, going. Yeah. yeah. Um, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I've never seen anything like it. It's this, uh, it was a hippie love fest. There's there's 20 people on stage. Half of them are just pl- throwing tambourines in the air. <laughs> the entire the entire crowd is just like so into it. It was hilarious to see. It was awesome. Come to find out, um, Edward Sharp is messianic. Um, that was in the Lala bio of him, <laughs> and uh, it's just really interesting. Really interesting. Um, so hippie hippie is in full boom, and that's not a disappointment. It's just an observation. Um, I did see Waldo. I spotted Waldo in the crowd once. Huh. Um, you get a photo of him? I actually did spot him. Huh? You didn't get a photo of him? No, he's little tiny dot. I saw. Uh. I mean, he's always tough to take a picture of. <laughs> uh, but I got to tell you, yeah, the, you didn't bring your panoramic lens, so you couldn't get him. <laughs> uh, there was this. W- the disappointment in the other half of the lineup is really weird. I mean, it was like uh, uh, Cypress Hill, Soundgarden. X Japan, uh, Green Day. Um, who was first night? If Green Day would Lo- just to perform Dookie, that would have been pretty good. Yeah. So was- I didn't even know Cypress Hill was around and not in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the weirdest moment I had was I was walking back in the media area on the last afternoon to pick up my arcade fire pass. And when I walked into the media area, Cypress Hill was standing there talking to Blitz and Trapper. <laughs> What are they talking about? Insane in the membrane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Did Blitz and Trapper go up to Cypress Hill or is maybe Cypress Hill really big Blitz and Trapper fans? I don't, I don't know what happened there, but, but please tell me you didn't run into ice tea there. But the biggest disappointment of the entire thing, other than just bad music like Chromeo and stuff, I don't like him. Lady Gaga was terrible. I stayed for four songs and wanted to give her a shot before we went over and saw the strokes. And by the way, the strokes way better in person. Than you would have thought huh. really tight, really great show. In fact, I, I've heard that they're really good, really amazing show. And in fact, a lot of other bands, big headlining bands name dropped. How amazing were the strokes last night? You know, I mean, from their set, but Lady Gaga, we stayed for four. Okay. Four songs. Let me set the stage. The stage I heard back in the media area that she, as part of her deal, got 250,000 extra dollars for her show, like to be put into the show, the staging and stuff. Hmm. Okay. So the stage itself is this massive It's for blood and wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> it's this massive cartoonish depiction of a city, like a block of a city. So you have like neon signs and the whole thing is kind of black light, you know? So like the way it's drawn or painted is kind of black light neon signs or signs and buildings and facades, whatever. So it's this whole, can, can I make a guess real quick? Yeah. She had a whole team of Nazi vampire dancers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, the whole, the whole vibe is that she's the next Madonna, right? She's an artist. She's edgy. She's pushing boundaries. She's only 24 years old, right? By she the is. Way. When her she... album came out, she was 22. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. 
three years ago still she, not an excuse <laughs> three years ago she played the little uh, unsigned band stage at Lollapalooza in 2007 Lady Gaga did anyway so now she's headlining and okay so this whole thing happens so every okay Madonna this is gonna be amazing groundbreaking edgy she's controversial whatever the song like the thing starts and the entire first song she sings from backstage the entire first song you don't even see her you see a shadow of her the entire first song she doesn't move she's like stands like a statue and you see her shadow for the entire first song okay so that was annoying the crowd was kind of annoyed then a skit happens there's this big large fake car on the stage and there's lines. Burr, burr. Oh, man, we're on our way to the party. And the car <laughs> broke down. And then, like, the dancers... Vampire Nazis. <laughs> and, then, and then the dancers get out of this fake car. And, like, you know, big demonstrative, like, church play hand motions. Like, what are we going to do? That's what I was just going to say is it sounds like a church yeah. play. Call Gaga. And then, like, you know, then Gaga appears, like, kind of like Batman style, way up on a rafter. And, you know, the crowd's supposed to erupt. But by this time, the crowd's like, what the crap is this? (laughs) And so then, like, they put, like, fog machine coming out of the hood of the car. Like, it broke down. And then Gaga says lines like, hey, y'all, I'm on my way. I'll meet you there. And you're like, what? And then, like, telephone or something starts playing. And then, you know, she makes her way down and the dancers are dancing. And then at the end of that song, more of the skit. And so they, she goes over to the car to fix it and raises the hood. But I'm telling you, this is drawn out over like seven or eight minutes. Oh, my gosh. Dra- raises the hood. And in the hood is what? A keyboard. Mm. So as she's fixing the car, she's playing the intro to the next song. Oh, and the whole thing is just like so cheesy, <laughs> right? I realize she's not the next Madonna. She's in sync. In sync did this cheesy pop stuff, cheesy like shows. And they didn't have they were cheesy. <laughs> but how many whoa, times, whoa, whoa, how many times did you see them but like her music is a straight pop it's not like madonna pop it's right. not artistic pop it's yeah. just her handlers are so i mean if she's supposedly this great artist or whatever she's in the wrong hands man right if she wants to be madonna and have yeah. the staying power yeah so everybody turns on her okay so this she starts at eight o'clock the opposing headliner is the strokes who goes on at eight thirty. they staggered it there's a mass exodus because we've all seen how ridiculous and bad this is. Yeah. Everybody goes over the strokes. And so we're, my brother and I, my brother went with me. We're in our hotel that night. We're getting the elevator. There's a couple girls there who are like college age. And they're like, did you guys go to Lollapalooza today? We're like, yeah. And like, they go, Gaga sucked. <laughs> and I was like, man, I would have thought you guys were a target demographic. You know what I mean? Yeah, and she's like, man, yeah. Gaga was terrible. We never saw the strokes. Thank goodness the strokes were playing. I can't believe how bad Gaga was. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. See that uh, the backlash is going to begin. It's bad. It was bad, and all the press afterwards was how bad Gaga was. So, hmm. thank goodness Katy Perry's still here. Katy Perry hasn't jumped the shark yet. <laughs> really? Shark tying it all together. Yeah. Hey. She said the stuff about her faith and speaking in tongues and all that stuff. She yeah. put it, she said to Rolling Stone. Yeah, she yeah. was de- she was uh, defending it, which was interesting. And oh. she was well, like, know, she's she's formerly a CCM singer, right? Katie Hudson, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Katie Hudson, who dated Matt Thiessen from Reliant K for several years. Really? Yes, and that's that's. Um, and she thought he was he, a girl, and she wrote a song about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he sent her to the other team. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Katie Hudson. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was interesting that she was defending it and talking positively about her faith, yeah, and she was like putting Gaga down for being yeah, blasphemous, blasphemous with her new uh, yeah. uh, music right. video. Uh-huh. 
Interesting. She's got morals, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got values. <laughs> yeah. Family, va- Christian values. She's be all serious. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Russell Brand, they're the, like the new, the new <laughs> Ward and June Cleaver. Of course. They're like, the, they're like basically the modern Gaithers at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. That's my Lala recap. Chad plays out with some Gaga. Well, here is where you should be expecting our interview with Tony Campolo, and and you'd be you'd be very astute to expect that. Unfortunately, uh, our interview with Tony Campolo and our feedback segment together almost lasted an hour, and it's not because Tony was long winded. It's because the feedback segment, which is your um, horror church horror stories, <laughs> um, <laughs> was so epic. It went so long. That honestly, those two segments by themselves are their own podcast. And so for only, I think maybe the second time in the five years we've been doing this, we are going to split this episode into a part one and part two. And I think the only other time we did it was actually with Don Miller. And the uh, conversation was just so good, we didn't want to edit it down. Um, So this is the other end of the spectrum. It's not because the content is so compelling. It's because it's so funny. So um, make sure to tune in next week for part two of this podcast. It'll have the interview with Tony Campolo. It'll have your church horror stories. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. Everybody else has already left the room. So I'm Cameron Strang, and hopefully we'll see you next week.